All right, glad you're with us. Hope you're feeling the same urgency that I am feeling, and that is uh, the urgency that is you being the ultimate jury in 36 days. The one thing I can tell you is we will get the government we deserve if we're not vigilant, if you don't participate, if you don't vote, if you don't take it seriously, if you think, well, my vote doesn't matter. Yeah, every vote matters. All of you have congressmen that will be running. There's 435 Republicans that are running. That means one in your district, wherever you happen to live. Many of you are going to be voting on important Senate races. Joni Ernst in Iowa. These are seats that are must hold for Republicans. Martha McSally out in the great, well, that's a great city you have in Arizona. (laughs) The great city of Arizona. Another Joe Biden gaffe. Uh, or I don't care if it's Purdue, don't take Georgia for granted. Don't take North Carolina, uh, not, you know, for granted with Tillis. Uh, you might not always agree with Susan Collins, but that's going to be an important vote. The two, the two congressional districts that have one electoral vote, Nebraska district number two and Maine district two, could actually make the difference between a tie of 269 each and putting Donald Trump over the top of 270. That's if you if if you go through all the varying electoral vote scenarios, that's that is a particular scenario that could unfold, believe it or not. Um, we have James O'Keefe coming up later in the program today. What did he find? His latest undercover video ballot harvesting uh in the great state of Minnesota, in Congresswoman Omar's district, you have the ballot harvester on tape. Laban Muhammad is his name. Money is everything. Money is king in this world. If you got no money, uh, you shouldn't be here, period. You know what I'm saying? Money is everything, and a campaign is m- managed by money. Goes on. Numbers don't lie. Numbers do not lie. You can see my car is full. And all of these here are absentee ballots. Can't you see? Look at all these. My car is full. Now, one of the people that is is claiming that on tape that they were paid to vote a certain way. We sign the uh, when we sign the voting document and they fill it out is when they give us the money. Anywhere between two hundred and eight hundred dollars. Apparently, we'll have more on this breaking news story at the when when James joins us later in the program, the minute we sign the the ballot, the thing for the election, that's when we get paid. And they they targeted specific elderly or senior communities. Uh, one apparently called River Plaza Apartments. It's all on videotape. We're going to show you on Hannity tonight. Minneapolis uh, Somali Community Insider. It's an open secret that Congresswoman Omar will do anything that she can do to get elected. And she has hundreds of people on the streets doing that. A little scary. But if you listen to the mob and the media and you listen to the Democrats, oh, there's no problem. Well, we have a thousand convictions, 1,300 recent examples that we have gone into great depth and detail on this program with. Pretty, pretty scary. The attacks against Judge Amy Coney Barrett officially announced uh, by the president Saturday at the White House. You know, they even started before once her name was bannered about. Now, just understand, we're going to do everything we can do to slow it down. We're going to do everything we can do to stop it. Yeah, you do this. We'll end the legislative filibuster. You do this. 
All bets are off. Everything's on the table, including stacking or packing the court. Joe Biden won't answer the question whether or not he supports that. I mean, well, uh, for, for some of these people, they may want to read their constitution. Attacking her deeply held religious faith. And, and by the way, it happens to be the same faith as Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi. She's Catholic. Okay. I think the president was right saying, uh, I thought this debate ended a long time ago um, with JFK. And the media with them, apparently not. But, you know, this is only the beginning. And Chuck Schumer was the worst. Civil rights in jeopardy. Voting rights in jeopardy. You know, abortion, Roe v. Wade is in jeopardy. It's none of what they say is true. They don't care. It's Robert Bork. It's Clarence Thomas. It's Justice Kavanaugh all over again. I think they're going to have a harder time than they think here. Mother of seven including two adopted children from Haiti. Uh, oh, there was some vicious comments made. Uh, the former, I guess one of the organizers, we played it the other day. What is the name? Malika um, Tamari, I think her name is. Yeah, Mallory, that's it, yeah. Um, you have a Boston University professor and a CBS News contributor. They had a lot of backlash after suggesting that Amy Coney Barrett is a, quote, white colonizer for adopting two black children. Quote, some white colonizers adopted black children. They civil. I I can't even I can't even read what they said. It's so over the top. You know, in, in superior ways of white people using them as props in their lifelong pictures of denial while cutting the biological parents of these children out of the picture of humanity. I'm like, Boston University professors tweeting this out and saying it on on all of these cable networks, the things that we're hearing, it's unbelievable. It's, um, It's pretty shocking. And by the way, you would think that liberals would be happy because she is going to be, what, the fifth woman now to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court. They just don't like her judicial philosophy. One is that you don't legislate from the bench. You believe in separation of powers. You believe in co-equal branches of government. And it's not the role of a judge to legislate from the bench. That would be a textualist. That would be somebody, an originalist or a constitutionalist. You know what? She believes in the that the words of our Constitution had real intent and real meaning. Freedom of speech, religion, press. Pro, you know, Second Amendment rights. They all mean something. She believes in all all of those fundamental things. What you want somebody that's going to what dictate to the nation how policy should be? No, that that would be the role of the legislative branch and the executive branch. They sign the law, or they or you if you have a process whereby if the president vetoes a law that was passed by Congress, you have a shot to override the veto. That's called separation of powers. When there's a conflict between the executive branch and the legislative branch, in comes the, the third branch of government, the judicial branch. Anyway, she's not an activist. Said very, very specifically, has said she's not looking to recreate settled law or precedent or legislate from the bench. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know it listening to liberals. I mean, you would think, yeah, she wants to overturn Roe v. Wade, but she said it's never. She doesn't believe that ever is going to happen. It's just unbelievable. She's never weighed in on abortion, but they're trying to make make it that that that's the case when it's not. You know, it's uh, Yahoo News publishing an article reading the Amy Coney Barrett. You know, the 
the potential replacement of Ruth Bader Ginsburg hates your uterus. Reuters openly wondering if this is the beginning of the, the handmaid's tale. U.S. Supreme Court candidates religious community under scrutiny. Reuters, one of many outlets uh, like CBS and like, I guess, MSDNC, attempting to use the dystopian handmaid's tale to smear Barrett's deeply held religious faith. Look, Pelosi's Catholic, Biden is Catholic. Okay, that's their that's between them, their church and their conscience and their belief in in God who's part of the equation. It's none of our business. And again, you just Article six, clause three, the Constitution, no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. Yeah, Biden and Pelosi, they both take positions, for example, on abortion that are not part of church doctrine. That, that's none of our business. That's between them, their church, and God. Unbelievable. She's extremely bright, extremely well qualified, and they want to vilify her and create a false image that she is an extremist, unfit to serve. And they'll tell any lie, they'll use any smear, any slander to do it. Reuters also, you know, does anyone question Biden or Pelosi's face? No, nor should they. Anyway, Newsweek published the same baseless attacks against Judge Barrett. So did several other so-called news organizations. The attacks on her character didn't stop there. You know, but it is it is just standard fare, isn't it? It's what we've come to expect. The White House, the president proved with Kavanaugh, he's not going to back down. They have the votes in the U.S. Senate. If the Democrats want to delay, they can actually call a vote now if they wanted to. They don't have to have any process. They're going to try and shut it down. They're going to try and hold over Republicans' heads. That They'll do all these extremist things like eliminate the legislative filibuster, stack and pack the courts, try and get rid of the Electoral College. We can impeach the president for any reason, any day of the, the week. president's right. I thought... The issue of Catholicism, I thought we settled that with JFK. By the way, where's Joe Biden on this anti-Catholic bigotry? You know, it doesn't matter what her faith is. Nancy Pelosi won't condone, you know, won't condemn the attacks. Unbelievable. Anyway, she gave a very, you know, very humble speech, I thought, on Saturday. You have Cory Booker saying that, you know, if she will recuse herself in terms of any election issues. No, that's not how it works, Mr. Booker. That's not if she's on the court, she's on the court. You know, does that mean if any matter that has to do with, let's say, one of Obama's choices, do they have to recuse themselves? Did you demand that? No, you did not. Anyway, it's pretty unbelievable. It's pretty ugly and it's pretty predictable. It's very predictable. You know, it's a a disgraceful criticism to attack and attack and attack. I predicted this is going to happen. I said, buckle up. I hope her family's ready. Why is Biden silent on the issue of whether or not he supports stacking the court? I think that I'm not going to allow Donald Trump's distractions from getting in the way. What are you talking about? Are you or are you not in favor of, of stacking the court with liberal justices? Tell the American people, release your list, Joe. All right, so we got the big debate tomorrow. And look, my guess is Joe Biden, by the way, he's he's in hiding all weekend. 
Been in hiding since, I guess, what, Thursday now. Preparing for the debate, which I argue he's probably been preparing for the entire time. Uh, is Joe capable of memorizing four uh, points on every topic? I would argue probably is. After months of practice, I would think he could. Is Joe going to act animated and, and feign outrage like he did in the CNN town hall? Yeah, I think that's going to be his style. Is he going to be looking to attack President Trump every step of the way? And it, is, it, is it possible for him to do it and not have, you know, some of these horrible moments? I don't know. That's the, unto- that's the unanswered. That's the question. I can tell you right now, Democrats are just, they are going to be on pins and needles the whole time. Um, you know, it's where does he want to take the country? What his stated policies are scare the hell out of me. New Green Deal, higher taxes, no energy independence, open borders, amnesty, United Sanctuary States of America, liberal justices on the court. Wow. Reconfiscation of wealth through, you know, confiscatory taxation. Putting all that bureaucracy Donald Trump dismantled back in place. What, we're going to give Mullahs in Iran another $150 billion in cash and other currency as they chant death to America? Unbelievable. I love these Hollywood hypocrites. You know, the ones that they don't, they don't have to worry about getting on a plane and wearing their mask and going through security because they can afford their, their private aircraft. Just like they don't have to worry about defunding the police because they can afford their private security. You know, they're, they're out there just it's vile it's it's just horrific what they've been doing and mentioned bill maher i mean he's just he's just a repulsive guy period um you know keep making this um these comparisons uh amy is like a hybrid of uh, aunt lydia and a stepford wife diane warren tweeting out wow and aunt lydia apparently the villain in the handmaid's tale how much chalk can one blackboard stand Ellen Barkin tweeting out? When's the last time she ever did anything of any significance uh, on the big screen? Adam Goldberg, Ruth Bader Ginsburg turning in her grave. Wow. Unbelievable. Uh, then other left-wingers, you know, same fear tactics. She will get rid of the Affordable Care Act, meaning Obamacare. How well did that work out? We're all paying 200% more. Millions lost their doctors and millions lost their plans. And almost 40% of the country has one Biden-Obamacare exchange option. That's it. You know, Ellen Barkin, you know, his hashtag uh, at STFUACB, you know, to shut the blank up, Amy Coney Barrett. That's just unbelievable. Alec Baldwin is only another card that is psycho turns over to destroy the Constitution. Deborah Messing, no, no different. Predictable. We'll continue. Let's do this. Suit up, chin down, and he'll take the lead. This is the Sean Hannity Show. A tipping point of all tipping points. Suit up. Let's go. It's time to protect the Constitution. You know, you have a right to vote. Now, we have an election map. It's an interactive map. We built it out. It's informational only. It's, okay, how do you register in your state? It'll tell you. Uh, When does early voting start? Maybe it's already started in your state. It will tell you. Uh, It will tell you. What if you want to vote absentee this year? How do you do it? It will tell you. 
who is running for your congressional seat, it will tell you. Uh, if you're going to vote for the president, you're going to you know go out either vote that vote election day. Uh, you might as well elect Republicans because otherwise it's going to be another shift show, Pelosi show, uh, and it'll be like impeachment every every two seconds as she's promising. All that matters. Um, I want to get into this whole issue. New York Times bombshell on the president's taxes. You know, I found one part in particular very funny. He got a refund of, I forgot what, however, $70 million or something, a refund. Um, that would mean that the government approved the refund. <laughs> that would mean that they actually had to cut him a check to give him the refund. You know, and I'm sitting there saying, okay, well, uh, when you have losses in business as a means of incentivizing people to go into business, legitimate losses, then you write it off your taxes. It's what business people do. Um, that is, uh, that's the system the swamp designed, which uh, if you want to get rid of it, you're not going to have any deductions. You're not going to have anybody building any business, any place, anywhere. You know, if you look at, for example, those that go into the restaurant business, think of what you got to do to get a restaurant open. Now, you either have to rent the property or buy the property. Start there. Okay, then you then you got to build it out. So you have your bar, you have your kitchen, you have your dining areas, right? Okay. Then you've got to, you know, you got to put the lights on. Then you probably have to put TVs in. Then you have to hire, let's see, you need chefs and, and you know, of dishwashers and cooks and bartenders and waiters and waitresses and bus boys and bus girls and everybody in between. All right, so you got to start paying them. Then you got to go out and buy all the food. Then you got to buy all the booze. You know, then you have to stock it all. And then, okay, how much is somebody really willing to pay for a cheeseburger? How much can you make? You got to buy the food. You got to make sure that the fish you buy, the food you buy, the meat you buy is fresh. The produce you buy is fresh. A lot of waste sometimes in restaurants. Okay, so you got to factor in that. But how much can you charge for a hamburger or a cheeseburger or a steak or a shrimp scampi or shrimp cocktail, whatever you happen to like, whatever clams on the half, whatever it is. And all right, so you, you, you make a little bit. You have to have a lot of volume to start making money. And most restaurants, after they lay out all of that money in the hope and dream that one day it'll get so busy that they'll be making money, and most restaurants don't succeed. But they get to write all of that off on their taxes. So let's say, you know, okay, well, you could say net profits are this, but if you start taking your legal deductions, it's whatever. But anyway, it's neither here nor there. This is not the bombshell, the New York Times, and they won't give you their sourcing. Nor do they, then they're admitting in the article they don't have all the information and that the president used legitimate tax deductions on his tax refer that by the way that is all legal if you don't like the system you ask yourself does the new york times do it new york times have they written things off let's see their taxes the, the most fascinating side of it though is the times pretty much reported the exact same story on October 1st, 2016, it's pretty much the same story. The Times first reported that four years ago it was eight days before the second presidential debate with Hillary Clinton. Oh, sure, just a mere coincidence. So not only is today's Times, quote, bombshell, a total rerun, but they're using the same old stale playbook 
that didn't work the first time that they tried it. And that is, I have the article, October 1st, 2016. Donald J. Trump declared $916 million in losses on his 1995 income tax return, a tax deduction so substantial it could have allowed him to legally avoid paying any federal income taxes for up to 18 years. Records obtained by the New York Times show. That's October 1st, 2016. Let's recycle this story. 1995 records never before disclosed reveal the extraordinary tax benefits that Mr. Trump and Republican presidential nominees. Look, you got to understand, it's even like a casino. You think about that. They got to build that place out. Well, there are there are legal deductions. If you own a contracting business and you buy a truck for your contracting business, you get to deduct the cost of the truck. You get to deduct the cost of the tools that you that you need for your craft. You know, it's it's all of that. I doubt there's nobody that pays taxes listening to my voice right now that has not taken legal deductions. Now, I take the least amount possible. I'm a, just an idiot because I just I know my file is pulled every year. So I bother and I've known it most of my public career. But yet, you know, my advice to everybody is always pay, pay it. And that's that's why it's kind of scary. You know, look at what New York's talking about. They're talking about massive tax increases. Um, Joe Biden, another day off the campaign trail. They call a lid is what they call it. 9.52 a.m. So my take on this is because we haven't seen Biden in days and days and days. Pretty much half of the month of September, this guy has put a lid on his campaign or had no events scheduled whatsoever. For almost half the month. And it's pretty, it's, it's unprecedented. Why are they always calling a lid? A lid means that they're, you won't see or hear from the campaign for the rest of the day. We're done breaking news. 9.52 a.m. today. Well, what is going on with Joe? He's, I think he's been in his basement bunker, and, and they pretty much realize that he can't go out on the campaign trail without him being an unmitigated disaster. So they're minimizing access there. They, he can't, has to show up for the debates. Uh, he'll lose if he doesn't show up. So they got to put all their marbles in the hopes that, okay, we're going to spend all this time. We'll, we'll put him on the perfect clock where his peak cognitive uh, hour of the day is 9 p.m. Eastern. I'm, by the way, this is a total guess on my part. Now, the president keeps raising the questions. Well, why doesn't he release what medicines he might be taking? Okay, if it's Donald Trump, they've been asking that for years also. They want everything on Donald Trump. Okay, why won't Joe do that? Just, why does Joe feel that he can't even answer whether or not he supports packing the court? Why can't Joe answer if he supports ending the legislative filibuster? Why can't Joe answer whether he supports eliminating the Electoral College. I don't want it to be a distraction. It's a trick by the Trump campaign. Trick? What are your positions? You want to be president? It'd be nice of us to all know. So anyway, they put the lid out there at 952. My guess is, look, he didn't collapse in these other debates, although Kamala Harris beat him up pretty bad in that one debate. And my, my belief is Joe is probably studying four talking points on every topic. This would be my guess. And that Joe's and he's practicing an attack, two attacks for every topic against Donald Trump. And he's going to come out. He's going to feign the same anger because that tends to animate him more than he normally is. Like he did in the town hall with Anderson Cooper. 
So anyway, Lid is called at 952. But he did, did find time on Saturday to compare the president to Joseph Goebbels, the propaganda minister under Adolf Hitler. And he also, as well as comparing him to Fidel Castro. I'm not sure anybody hadn't already made up their mind there for Trump police, but who knows? But, but that's, you know, he's sort of like Goebbels. You say the lie long enough, keep repeating, repeating, repeating. It becomes common knowledge, they think. Look, the other week I was too moderate, remember. I was too tough. And now the American people, I think they know who I am. They know my heart. They know my story, my family story. And Trump is using socialism to scare and distract Floridians from a failed pandemic. And look, here's the guy. He's refused to grant temporary protective status to Venezuelans. He's embraced dictators around the world. It's ridiculous. You know, I, I think people see very clearly the difference between me and Donald Trump. Trump is, a, you know, is a <laughs> Trump is, 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 is clearing protests in front of the White House that are peaceful, you know, with the military. This guy's more Castro than Churchill. More Castro than Churchill. By the way, Biden caught in another lie, um, and that is that he went to Delaware State University, historically black college, just like his lie about, well, he's, he got the endorsement of the NAACP, just like his plagiarism issues from, in the case of Robert Kennedy and Neil Kinnock. Joe Biden, by the way, we did break this on Friday night, calling America's military heroes stupid bastards in a speech you can hear him saying it, media mob, of course, ignoring all of that. And, you know, he just, I have, I have incredibly good judgment, he says. One, I married Jill, his wife Jill. Two, I appointed Johnson to the Academy. And I just want you to know that. Clap for that, you stupid bastards. Wow. Biden then added that the soldiers, these soldiers must be slow. What a dull bunch, he said. Like, uh, okay, media going to talk about his treatment of the military, his words before the military. Uh, Jill Biden seems to be doing more interviews than Joe at this point. And I guess they're so confident their media buddies will do all of this. Anyway, Jill Biden shut down a question from fake Jake Tapper about it, any gaffe her husband will make. Oh, you can't you can't even go there, she said. Uh, yeah, they can. If we except they're in the tank for you, they're nothing but state run TV over there if fake news CNN, just like every other media outlet. And, you know, in other words, the occasional gaffe. That's all he's asked about the occasional gaffe. After Donald Trump, you can't even say the word gaffe. I can't even say the word gaffe, Tapper says. Nope, done. It's gone, she responds. Over, so over, she said. Oh, okay. I guess they're just laying out new rules. Joe also revealed that he first became a senator 180 years ago. You can't make that up either. Anyway, Joe Biden was saying it. Yeah, I started my Senate career 180 years ago. I'd say that probably is the closest to the truth he's gotten so far in this campaign. Um, they responded to the president call his call for a drug test. Well, why not medical transparency? Just like we can't get an answer. Who, who's on his list for Supreme Court justices that he would want to appoint? Anyway, so he said in a tweet on Sunday, it was the president questioned Biden's previous debate performances, claiming that there was a disturbingly erratic pattern in the form of a vice president's performance, adding that he'd be willing to take a drug test. How about Joe just reveal, okay, what medicines are you on? How is your health? He will be older if he was ever elected president. 
on day one than Ronald Reagan was on the last day of eight years as president. Anyway, the president also taking to the press for skipping over Hunter Biden scandals. I mean, now we've got Russian oligarchs, Ukrainian oligarchs. We got wire transfers. We got financial dealings with the mayor of Moscow's wife, the first lady of Moscow, as she calls herself. Uh, Money and transfers going to Chinese national shopping sprees. Uh, We have uh, Ukrainian oligarchs, Russian oligarchs, Kazakh, you know, corrupt figures. And now we're discovering even more pressure by the Obama administration officials to fire the prosecutor. Could you imagine if it was Donald Trump's kids? What do you think the reaction would be? Um, Pelosi preparing for the House to decide the presidency if neither Trump nor Biden win electoral college. Wow. Unbelievable. Unreal. By the way, Gail King called out Pelosi's, uh, called her out on the air for egregious rhetoric. Um, Talking about the president's henchmen. Tuesday's the big debate. Tuesday's the debate between them. Joe and Donald Trump, you earlier suggested you don't think Biden should debate. Do you still feel that way? And she still says he shouldn't debate. Well, we'll find out. My guess is he'll do fine. I think the president will do fine as well. I think that, you know, Joe might actually have to answer a tough question. Biden won't answer if he supports packing this and stacking the Supreme Court. Just 36 days and you are the ultimate jury. I hope you're feeling a sense of urgency. I can tell you that because it's an urgent moment for the country. I'm just one vote. All I can do is give you the information. It's on Hannity.com. If you'd like to know how to register in your state, who's running for Congress, how do you vote absentee, when does early voting start, it's all there. If you have a Senate race, those races, those seats are important. Six days, you are the ultimate jury. Hope you are feeling the urgency that I am in terms of this being a tipping point election. 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of the program. Uh, We'll get to the president's Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, in a second with uh, with Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham. Uh, Think of, though, what we've learned in just a short period of time. We've now finally have evidence that shows that the FBI knew Christopher Steele's subsource. Now, remember, there were warnings, Kathleen Kavlik. Before the first FISA application was signed, there were warnings that Christopher Steele had an agenda. Hillary, they knew paid for the dirty, what we now know, Russian disinformation dossier. We know that the subsource, you know, we find out, yeah, he was, what, the FBI knew him to be a Russian intel agent for 10 years? Wow. Um, pretty, pretty explosive. Uh, we learned about Hunter Biden. Uh, last week and his ties to, oh, let's see, the first lady of Moscow and financial dealings with uh, Ukrainian oligarchs, Kazakh uh, oligarchs and Russian oligarchs and and money wire transfers with pretty much everybody. And money's going to Russian nationals, Ukrainian nationals uh, and Chinese nationals. Hundred thousand dollar shopping sprees for you know Hunter Biden. Zero experience in any of all this stuff. You don't hear a word from the mob and the media. Well, Donald Trump's taxes from fifteen years ago. Oh, that's what they want to talk about. The same story the New York Times broke October first, twenty sixteen. Pretty much exactly 
the same exact story. Um, and all of this come out. We've also learned from Sally Yates and Rod Rosenstein. They signed these fraudulent FISA applications. What do we learn from them? Well, we learned, well, knowing what we know now, no, we never would have put our signature on those documents. Wednesday of this week, James Comey, Mr. Higher Honor himself, will be testifying before Senator Graham's committee. Now, he claims in an interview, he said, you know, that, in fact, he's not read the recent report about Steele's subsource and the dossier that they had known for 10 years that he was a Russian agent, suspected of being a Russian agent for 10 years. Um, anyway, it's, uh, it's pretty breathtaking on every level. Now, uh, Lindsey Graham was on Maria with Maria Bartiromo over the weekend and listen to what he said about did the FBI look into if Russia was going after Trump? Because what has the narrative been? Trump-Russia collusion. There's no evidence of any such thing at all by anybody anywhere. Let's listen to Senator Graham. So you are waiting for a further declassification of evidence this upcoming week that is, in fact, more damning than what we're talking about this morning. Well, all I can say is that there's so what have we learned? Everything Russia Trump was looked at. Uh, you had twenty five million dollars, 60 agents. You had subpoenas. You had people's lives turned upside down. The question is, did they look at Russia coming after Trump? We've got a Russian spy on the payroll of the Democratic Party, putting together a document that he tells the FBI is not reliable, and the FBI uses it four times to get a warrant against an American citizen, a member of the Trump team. What accounts for that? There's got to be, it's clear to anybody who's looking, they, were, they wouldn't take no for an answer when it came to Trump. They were out to get the man. Out to get the man, Senator Lindsey Graham finds himself in the center of this investigation, and he will be leading the charge to navigate the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett through the Senate Judiciary. Uh, well, I guess I guess you're in the middle of a couple of news cycles here. What specifically yeah, were you saying or telegraphing? Because I know you well enough to know that there's something <laughs> deeper behind what you say there. That's my gut instinct. Am I over the target, sir? Well, you're always been over the target. <clears throat> when you you should do a show about your show, uh, your television show and your radio show, but you should go back for the last couple of years and replace some of the things you said when you were saying it in your little group, and nobody else was. So what do we what do we found here? We found that the the dossier uh, that was used to get a warrant against Carter Page was prepared by a man on the payroll of the Democratic Party, suspected of being a Russian agent. And the uh, FISA court was never informed of the fact he was a suspected Russian spy. And they never were informed of the fact he gave testimony to the FBI. The document wasn't reliable. There's more coming. Uh, I don't know if we can get it declassified as quick as I would like. But let's just put it that way. There's more coming about Russia and the 2016 campaign. So far, the only Russian, if you will say, influence comes from Hillary's side. Because now what we've discovered here is that, okay, if Christopher Steele's source was a right. known R Russia-connected agent and known by, no, and this was something the FBI knew of for over a decade, and you couple that with the earliest warnings, and I'm heard, I heard there's as many as 10, 12 instances of people warning the DOJ and the FBI under Comey before the first FISA application was even put in, 
Then that goes to what I've been saying, which is premeditated fraud on a FISA court. But more importantly, that would mean that is is there a, is there an odds here that the collusion really happened with Hillary and Russia? Well, all I can say is that we do know that the CIA was warning uh, the FBI about using the dossier. You're going to find more about that where the CIA was pushing back against including the the dossier in the intelligence assessment provided to uh, President Trump in 2017. The CIA didn't believe it was reliable. The FBI kept wanting to push it, make it a a part of the body of the intelligence assessment of the 2016 election. They finally put it as an addendum. But there was a lot of warning signs coming from the CIA, coming from the State Department, Bruce Orr within the Department of Justice, told the FBI team on Crossfire Hurricane that uh, still wanted Trump to lose and you need to watch this guy. So there's just so many stop signs and they ran every one of them. Well, when you look at that or you look at now the, the wide contacts of Hunter Biden, I mean, it's amazing. The very thing that the media was all outraged about and Hunter right. Biden, you know, his contacts with Russian oligarchs and Ukrainian oligarchs and Chinese national, Kazakh nationals, Ukrainian nationals, Russian nationals, and the amount of money that we're talking about here. And we impeach the president over or the Democrats impeach the president uh, over the, right. these very issues. And yet they're silent when all this news is breaking. Let me switch because yep. it's your committee that will be navigating the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett, who has gotten nothing but high praise from anybody that knows knows her and has looked at her record, which I have in detail, um, in spite of, you know, it doesn't seem to matter to Democrats because they are saying civil rights are in jeopardy, voting rights are in jeopardy, women's rights are in jeopardy, women's uteruses are in jeopardy. I mean, these are actually real reports. And the Kavanaugh's, the the next Kavanaugh is now here, just like Bork and Clarence Thomas, uh, how do you see this process unfolding? Is there anything Chuck Schumer can do and the Democrats to stop this vote from happening before Election Day? Well, number one, I think we have the votes to confirm her before Election Day. The committee will begin on October the 12th. We'll report her out uh, of the committee October the 22nd. And here's the problem. The Democratic senators on the committee and in the body as a whole are under a tremendous amount of pressure to try to stop this nomination. They've raised $300 million from Act Blue after the passing of Justice Ginsburg within like three or four days. So the Democratic base is going nuts. They're going crazy. They're all over Democratic senators to do whatever they can to destroy um, Judge uh, Barrett. I think it will blow up in their face. But the amount of money coming into the coffers after the vacancy was created is mind, mind-boggling. And with that money comes an expectation pressure will be applied. But I would just say this, Sean. Schumer and Harry Reid, Senator Schumer and Senator Reid, have a lot uh, to blame themselves for. When they decided to change the rules in 2013 to go to a simple majority, they set in motion for what you see today. So I think it's poetic in many ways that this is happening on Schumer's watch. He called me the night before they decided to change the rules to go to the majority in 2013. I said, well, Chuck, I think you'll live to regret it. I think that uh, statement is coming true.
Well, it's look at where the threats are now going. They're threatening to end the legislative filibuster, which would be a natural uh, policy progression on their part. They probably will come to regret that, too. They're threatening to stack the court or pack the court with liberal justices. Everything's on the table, we keep hearing. Um, They're threatening to impeach the president. We we can impeach him every day, Nancy Pelosi (laughs) says. So my question, though, is, is there... And I've, apparently they have this ability to, what, go to a two-hour rule. Does that impact your ability to do what you need to do before the 22nd? I am confident that I can conduct the hearings in a fashion to give them an opportunity, Democrats, to challenge uh, Judge Barrett on her qualifications, her experience, her temperament, whether or not she can take her religious beliefs and put them aside when it comes to judging. All the legitimate things that you would want to do can be done. If they choose to go another route, I will choose to go another route. We will play this the way they choose to play it. We're going to start on the 12th, 16 days from the nomination. Over half of the nomination hearings were conducted within 16 days. Justice Berger was confirmed within 17 days, and Justice Stevens within 19 days. So there's plenty of precedent on our side here. So We'll play it any way they want to play it. If they want to have a respectful, challenging hearing, they'll get one. If they try to play games with the rules, they're going to lose. So if they, with the rules, they do, would have the ability to stop debate after two hours every day? Is that what their uh, strategy no, we is? Can, that rule, that can, yeah, that's, that's a standing procedure of the Senate. But here's one thing you need to know about me and my colleagues on the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, we are a majority, and we can set the terms of the debate. We have the ability, working with Mitch McConnell, to make sure that uh, Judge Barrett will have a hearing and will receive a vote on the floor of the United States Senate. All I can say about our commitment, Senator McConnell and mine, is to give the president nominee a a respectful, challenging hearing and to get a floor vote uh, if Mitch chooses before the election. I have the ability to do that. I have a great Republican team on the Senate Judiciary Committee. It is not a place for the faint-hearted. I've got two great women there, and uh, Joni Ernst and Marsha Blackburn, and uh, we've got some talented people on our side. And I want to do this respectfully, but my goal is to make sure we're successful. And I intend. Well, maybe to that's why Rosie O'Donnell and Barbara Streisand and <laughs> all of these liberals aren't they pouring a fortune into the coffers of your opponent i mean and uh, i I guess they think they're going to tell the people of south carolina how to vote this time well what they want to do is make south carolina california and let's just look at this in august this past august uh my opponent jamie harrison who's never held public office he was a democratic staffer for nancy pelosi and jim clyburn and lobbied for, lobbied for the Podesta group, so that's sort of his background. He raised more money than any candidate on the Democratic side running for the United States Senate for two reasons. I stood in the way of uh, the destruction of Kavanaugh, and they want to pay me back. And I was a Trump critic who's become a Trump ally. I think Trump has done a great job as president. I want him to get reelected. And they're going to raise $100 million. Let me say that again. $100 wow. million. Will and it's more I than Bozo raised, out. isn't it? Well, it's more, it's more than uh, 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 O'Rourke raised. John McCain raised $100 million running for the president. So if people listening to this program could send me 5 or 10 bucks on lindsaygram.com, I can, I can close the gap. But after the, nom- after the vacancy was, was open, the passing of Justice Ginsburg, who led an incredible life, 
and my opponent raised like $6 million in, in three days. So wow. if you're listening out there and you believe that the conservative cause is worth pushing, fighting for, and you got a five or 10 bucks to help me at lindsaygram.com, help me. But it's all my colleagues. We're all getting outraised three and four to one. In my case, only God knows how much money he's Listen, all raise, these races but, matter. Georgia, Purdue, uh, uh, Tillis in, yeah, in North yeah, Carolina, Martha McSally, yeah, Joni Ernst, Mitch McConnell, even Susan Collins. I don't always agree with her, but I mean, it, that, that second congressional district means a lot in terms of, uh, of the Electoral College. Uh, Senator, thanks for being with us. Uh, it sounds like you're going to do your job. We appreciate it. Thank you. Help me if you can. LindsayGraham.com. God bless you. Okay. I have a COVID update. Uh, back in March, the CDC's estimates on COVID fatality was 3.4%. In other words, if you contracted the coronavirus, 3.4% chance of dying. They have put out new numbers on Friday, and I just noticed it today, uh, that put the fatality rate at less than one half of 1% for everybody under the age of 70. So the one thing that is held throughout all of this, older people, underlying conditions, um, and those with compromised immune systems are the most vulnerable. Now, if you're uh, under the age of 19, they say, and you contract corona, your, your chances of survival are 99.997%, which is that going to be used to factor in when we discuss and debate the issue of of whether or not kids and we're going to open schools. All right, quick break. Uh, our Freedom Caucus friend Andy Biggs and Congressman James Comer and uh, much, much more. James O'Keefe with his undercover video straight ahead. 25 now to the top of the hour. 36 days. You are the ultimate jury. And we now have a Republican Party committed in the U.S. Senate. The president officially, as we had suspected, uh, picking uh, Judge Amy Coney Barrett to fill the vacancy left by Ruth Bader Ginsburg, mother of seven, uh, including two adopted children from Haiti, practicing Catholic. By the way, just like Joe and just like Nancy. Uh, And she's being attacked for it. Uh, And she is somebody that is a textualist, as we describe them, originalist or constitutionalist. And uh, she believes that the meaning in, in the word and the the original intent of our framers and founders means something. She does not believe in judicial activism. She believes in co-equal branches of government, separation of powers. Um, she is she's not trying to recreate s- precedent or settled law. A big question that you will hear now in the days to come. Uh, she's never ruled on an abortion case. And, you know, oh, she's going to take away your health care. I mean, the, the things that they have been saying, I mean, it is it is beyond the pale, but predictable as it can be. You know, she's an extremist monster. That's all you're going to hear. You have an article of Yahoo News. This is Amy Comey Barrett, Coney Barrett, the potential RGB replacement who hates your uterus. Reuters openly wondering if this is the beginning of The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, quote, U.S. Supreme Court candidates, religious community under scrutiny. Well, Nancy Pelosi is a Catholic. Anyone ever ask about her faith? No. Should they? No. It's between her church, her conscience and God. Not it's none of our business. Um, but that doesn't stop people on the left from being who they are and and doing what they do. What does the Constitution say? Article six, clause three. 
No religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. Uh, Twenty nine times in election years, there have been vacancies on the U.S. Supreme Court. All twenty nine times presidents have fulfilled their constitutional oath and their duty, and that is to replace or to nominate a replacement under the advice and consent of the Senate. Now, when the party of the Senate is the same party as the president, 17 of 19 nominees were confirmed. When it is a president of one party and the Senate majority is is of another party, only one in 10 actually got confirmed. Yeah, Mitt Romney got it right, actually. And he said, yeah, Republicans tend to want to put originalists or conservatives on the bench and liberals. They want judicial activists. That pretty much sums it up. Uh, But, you know, by the way, is, um, you know, the White House is standing up for a fight. You know, one of the things the president said, uh, you know, I thought. With the media's treatment of her Catholicism, I thought we settled this with JFK. He was right. And by the way, why is Biden silent on anti-Catholic bigotry aimed at Amy Coney Barrett? Doesn't matter what her faith is. Nancy Pelosi uh, won't condone attacks on what Amy uh, Coney Barrett's Catholic beliefs. She's really mean that. I mean, her public positions on abortion are at odds with the church. It's none of my business. Nobody's business. That's between her church, her conscience, and God. Um, and it should be that way. Anyway, here to weigh in on all of this. Well, first, let me let me just play the mob in the media. This is even before she was nominated. The, the attacks began. Amy Comey <laughs> will all be saying this name a lot, I'm sure, because she's a <laughs> nut. <laughs> Religion. I was right about that one, too. So I think the stakes of this nomination are, are very clear. If, if it is, in fact, Barrett, she is someone who will implement Donald Trump's uh, agenda uh, across the board. 48-year-old Barrett is a mother of seven who has won over religious conservatives for having anti-abortion views. But in some ways, she would be the polar opposite of Ruth Bader Ginsburg because she's a, a, a pretty clear opponent of abortion. And, and that may be a, a key point for the president. He'll want to uh, nominate somebody who is uh, determined to overturn Roe v. Wade. There's uh, civil rights and labor union rights and gay rights and women's rights. The right to choose Roe v. Wade could be undone by a court this extreme. Joe, her religion is immaterial. The issue is whether she can separate her deeply held views on issues like abortion, LGBTQ rights, whether she can separate her deeply held views from her ability to be fair and objective as a justice sitting there for years making decisions that impact all of our lives, starting with the Affordable Care Act. I have concerns about her willingness to, uh, to, uh, you know, to overturn, to overturn Supreme Court precedent, and she's written about that. And so I'd like to know what kind of factors would she apply in her determination that a previous Supreme Court decision was wrong. All right, there. that's only the beginning. Anyway, here joining us is Freedom Caucus Chair, uh, our friend Andy Biggs from California. Congressman, good to have you back. Also, House, the House Committee on Oversight and Reform ranking member James Comer is with us from Kentucky. Thank you both for being with us. All of this predictable. Um, I, I mean, I, I can imagine that if, if Mother Teresa... Amy Coney Barrett has never weighed in on abortion and said that she doesn't think it's ever going to be overturned, period. And by the way, if it was, it, it doesn't make abortion illegal. 
This is a red herring ar- argument that the left makes. She's, she's going to take away civil rights. She's going to take away your your Obamacare. Well, how did it work out? Not too well, uh, Congressman Biggs. Yeah, no, this is uh, this is typical that we expected. I mean, even last week before she was named, you have a member of the House Judiciary Committee uh, railing on her Catholic religion, saying the president has, has appointed basically too many Catholics to federal courts. It's despicable. They're attacking her adoption of, of uh, two children from Haiti. Uh, and, and, you know, Sean, this is exactly what we expected because they have nothing to go on. She, this is a great pick who's uh, qualified legally ju- uh, as a judge as well, and she has virtually no character flaws that, that are discernible. So they're going to attack uh, on the fringes, and they are the fringes attacking her. She'll be a great justice. Congressman Comer, I mean, and I got to we have to point out here what the Democrats now, as a result of this, are threatening. They are threatening to end in the Senate the legislative filibuster. They are threatening to pack the courts. They are threatening to eliminate the Electoral College or begin the efforts through a constitutional amendment to do such. Uh, They are saying that they can impeach the president every day of the week. They will impeach the attorney general as well. Um, They've absolutely gone unhinged here. And by the way, where's Joe? Joe Biden, he's he's been silent on the anti-Catholic bigotry. He's a Catholic. He doesn't he believe in religious liberty, choice, freedom. Uh, where's where's Joe on on stacking the Supreme Court? I don't want to answer that question. Why not, Joe? Everyone, Trump answers every question. How about you answer one? I don't know where Joe Biden is on any issue because he's been hiding in his basement. But the Democrats proved during the Kavanaugh hearings they'll do anything, including make things up to try to block. Uh, a good conservative who wants to do the right thing on the on the bench. And, you know, I think that uh, this is another example of how the Democrats have no agenda. They simply want to disrupt America, and they're going to do it by, as you mentioned, Sean, trying to end the filibuster. They want to create two new states to try to get four new senators. They want to end the Electoral College. And it all begins with the with the Supreme Court in this election November, which, by the way, they're doing everything in their best to try to disrupt uh, the integrity of our elections. Well, I mean, at some point, does anybody and, and Alan Dershowitz was great about this last week on my a television show by saying there can't be a religious litmus test in this country. They can't. No, Sean, absolutely right. That's a constitutional prescription. You cannot keep somebody uh, out because they uh, they have a certain faith or religion which is one of the reasons that Jamie and some of us others have been uh, advocating that if she's going to, if, if Pelosi is going to disrupt this by trying to initiate new impeachment, she should be removed from office, uh, her office of speaker. So I think we've, uh, the Republicans have coalesced around that in the House. Well, you, you got to wonder, and this is all at stake. All right, we continue our discussion with Freedom Caucus Chairman Andy Biggs, Congressman Arizona, and House Oversight Committee and Reform Ranking Member James Comer is with us from Kentucky. Kevin McCarthy has laid out what he's calling his commitments to America. He's saying all 435 Republican candidates, they're all up, all of you are up for election every two years, have pledged and are signing a pledge as it relates to these commitments, uh, have both of you signed this? We'll start with you, Congressman Biggs. It's to restore our way of life with very specific issues, rebuild the economy, and renew the American dream. And again, a lot of subsections to all of that. 
10 million new jobs, getting the vaccine and better therapeutics, protecting uh, pre-existing conditions, you know, and it goes, but millet, I'm sorry, a law and order and safety security is all part of it. Uh, also upholding freedom of speech, rel- religious liberty, the safeguarding the Second Amendment, defending the unborn, all of it's in there. Uh, do you believe all 435 Republican candidates will sign this? I think uh, I think you'll get uh, pretty close to all 435. Yes, I, I think so. We're yeah, pretty unified on this. Have you signed it yourself, uh, Chairman Biggs? I, I haven't. I haven't seen the actual signature sheet, but uh, I've talked to Kevin McCarthy about it, so he knows where I stand. So, so uh, when I when I see that uh, that magic paper, I'll sign it. And Congressman Comer, I will definitely sign it too. I mean, it just clearly shows that we have an agenda. We're laying it all out there. The Democrats, they have had two years to govern in the House, and all they focused on is trying to impeach the president and embarrass every single member of his administration. Yeah. Uh, Well, look, this election means more than anything else. How do you see the Senate race going down? You're in Arizona. We desperately need to keep Martha McSally in Arizona. The president, it's according to polls, it's been close in Arizona for the president and for Martha McSally. How do you see those two races breaking down there, uh, Congressman Biggs? Um, Well, Sean, I think what we're seeing is that the momentum has changed in the last six or seven weeks. Six, seven weeks ago, I was very, very concerned um, and I'm still concerned because it's so so tight and so close, but it is now dead heat. But but both of them, uh, both Martha and uh, President Trump, are actually up by a point or so, which had not been the case six six weeks ago. So the momentum's in the right direction. I think if we can get through the deadline without the, uh, as Jamie talked about, without uh, the Democrats stealing the election or stealing ballots or committing fraud in the election, I think a uh, fair and free election will have both of them as victorious when we get done with this. And and your take, how do you look at these Senate races as we look at, we got Joni Ernst up, we got Lindsey Graham up, we got Tillis up, we got Purdue up, Martha McSally's up, uh, Susan Collins in Maine is uh, up, we got the Alabama seat now, hopefully that can be flipped back Republican. What's your take on the Senate, uh, James Comer? And by the way, Mitch McConnell. Well, I can tell you, here in Kentucky, McConnell's going to win by double digits, Kentucky's Trump country. Uh, with respect to the overall map, I think the, the Senate will uh, remain Republican. Uh, I can see us definitely winning the Alabama seat. And uh, worst case scenario, I think we lose uh, two Republican seats. So that, that would still put us at 52. So I, I feel good about the Senate. Yeah. All right. Well, these are important, pivotal, uh, transformative times. 36 days, guys. Uh, There's a lot hanging in the balance here. I'll tell you that. Thank you, Congressman Biggs of Arizona. Thank you, Congressman James Comer, Kentucky. Um, All right, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. We'll continue. Our source inside the Somali community explains that as soon as early voting occurs, that's when ballot harvesting of the elderly happens. And one of the places it happens is at Cedar Riverside Apartments here in Minneapolis. Yes. There's three towers called one tower. Okay. And it's all seniors, and they took every ballot. Every ballot. They just take them from them. Every single ballot. Knock on the door and say, your ballots come, give it to me, give it to me. They don't even pay them for it. They just take it. No. And the ones that didn't vote on ballots, the young people and the women and stuff, they were paying cash, cash, cash. They were getting bags of money the last one here to to drive people. And when you vote and they mark you off, then you get in the van, they give you a cash. 
Based upon our undercover reporting, U.S. Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, also affectionately known as a member of the squad, and her campaign may be behind one of the biggest voter fraud schemes in American history. But this time, we have it on tape. The person who's working in Ilhan's campaign is the one who's managing the, the voting place. They bring them, they line them, they put the open ballots in there, and then they take them in and say, here, and the people yes, mark. How's that working? They have perfected this system. This is what they do. They will tell you, we are applying for your ballot. They take a picture of your social security and your driver's license. They have a database. When the ballot comes, they track it. Sometimes they make fake emails. They track the ballot. Then they come and pick up the ballot. Wow. So they actually, wow. So there's a vested interest, but we are victims of the system. They don't give a shit about any Somali issues. Sorry to use my language. No, no, you're, you're right. And right. the DFL wants to win this state at all costs. It's a mutually beneficial, and the victims is the Somali. There was video, you can see the video, there was a video out and about that he has the ballots in his car. Right. And talking about the only way you can win is with money. So he's basically saying that. Admitting that. Admitting, right. yeah, admitting that. So. I saw that video. Yeah. He, he took it down. You captured it. You saw, saw the video? I saw the video. And he took it down, but I captured it. <laughs> Get out of here. What? Did you really see the video? I captured the video. <laughs> captured that video. It's a beautiful video. I told you. I told you. Things like that, though. That's what's going on. He said, I have 300. And he had them in his hand. Got it right here. Like a cash. Like cash. Like, like, so, question Have you ever asked yourself, how did he get them? Yeah, how did he get them? You just don't go and, like, I was looking at them and they were not filled. They were blank. Right, they were, some were open. Yeah, in envelopes still. It's an open secret. It's not something that, you know, they, she will do anything that she can to get elected. And she has hundreds of people on, on the streets doing that. Our sources say that Ilhan Omar's voter fraud machine appears to be much more than just a few foot soldiers like Liban Mohammed's ballot harvesting. This appears to be an effort that is very systemic and very coordinated. Hundreds of people have come that do not live here. And then they're saying that it's only 30 days they have to live here. These people are collecting benefits elsewhere, housing elsewhere, living in other places. And the DFL knows everything. They just want the numbers. Truck drivers are coming, getting temporary addresses. There needs to be a database of where are these people coming from? They don't live in Minnesota. We don't have hundreds of Somalis lining up every day for ballot. No. Where are they coming from? And as soon as this election is done, the people go back to their normal lives. It doesn't matter, it's over. It's over. They're accepting temporary addresses, they're accepting all kind of shenanigans. People are showing an ID. I moved 30 days ago, my ID has not come back. Okay, just give us the last four of your social and tell us the address and then somebody else will say, yeah, the same people who are helping them vote are saying, yeah, I can vouch for this That's address. it, the vouch thing, I saw that. They're yeah. vouching now. Um, or they can have someone vouch for them that was in the same ward That's what I'm talking about. The person vouching for them. Now, where do I find out who vouched for these people, these eight people that didn't live in one house? Do you know that those people were vouched for? There's no way eight people live in that one house. That's a little tiny house. All right, news roundup and information uh, overload hour. Well, in spite of the fact that over, what, a thousand per- people have been convicted for voting fraud in some way, shape, matter, or form. If you listen to the the mob and the media and Democrats, oh, no, there's no problems whatsoever with mail-in ballots. 
Project Veritas, their latest project, maybe maybe even their their most revealing in in their long history of revealing a lot of things to us. Um, they have gone undercover, exposing what was going on in the campaign of Congresswoman Omar, member of the squad, and how there is a cash for ballots voter fraud scheme. And what we heard from there is one ballot, what they call a ballot harvester. We'll explain that in a minute. Lee Bon Muhammad, quote, money's everything. Money's the king of the world. If you got no money, well, you shouldn't be here, period. You know what I'm saying? Money is everything in a campaign managed by money. Then he goes on. Numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. You see, you can see my car is full. All of these here are absentee ballots. Can't you see? Look at all of these. My car is full. A paid voter. When we see the sign, the voting document, and they fill it out is when they give us the money. The minute we sign the thing, the ballot for the election, that's when we get paid. And then the he talks, he, what you heard there is the ballot harvesting triangle, River uh, Plaza Apartments, Horn Tower, uh, Horn Tower Seniors Community. Another place that they found, Minneapolis, you know, one one community insider. It's an open secret that Congresswoman Omar will do anything that she can do to get elected. And she has hundreds of people on the street doing that. Uh, You have seniors at these different housing projects. We request ballots for the seniors and then we take them away. And now Project Veritas is, you know, their investigators received a a ballot harvesting scheme. They got a tip about all this. and more to come, apparently. James O'Keefe is the CEO and founder of Project Veritas. Uh, this might be your most explosive undercover operation ever. I mean, I don't even know how they, how would anybody argue that this is not an organized, orchestrated effort to do the very thing that the president's been warning about. Well, Sean, that's exactly right. You know, and the director of the FBI, Chris Ray, said last week that there's no evidence of voter fraud. So Project Veritas has decided to do what the FBI refuses to do. Or Which, by the way, is pathetic. And, and frankly, Director Ray has shown no appetite whatsoever for cleaning up the world's premier law enforcement agency. As far as I'm concerned, he should be replaced, too. Well, you have you have the, the Federal Bureau of Investigation saying this doesn't happen, the media saying this doesn't happen, but the Attorney General of the United States and the President says it does happen. And this is the first time anyone has ever seen on video this ballot harvesting criminal activity. The man is in a car. I know we're on the radio, so I'm describing what is happening. He's in a vehicle. His car is filled with ballots, and he's bragging about all the absentee ballots he's harvesting that apparently he has paid for. Many of them are blank, and he's the and he's the brother of the city council candidate. And all of these people are are in and around this uh, this uh, Ilhan Omar campaign there in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Was this for the primary that recently passed, or is this for the general election? Uh, both. Uh, the video you see in the tape there is, is recorded uh, in in July and August over the summer. That's the primary election, and uh, we're, we're, we were still undercover up until up until uh, just yesterday, and, and the general election ballots went out in Minnesota on September 19th. So we do have material, uh, some of it forthcoming, on the general election ballot. So the United States Attorney General has jurisdiction to prosecute, as does the county attorney and the attorney general of Minnesota. And the real question is, when are these law enforcement agencies going to actually do I, I wouldn't hold my breath with Keith Ellison. Let's, stop, let's just stop there. So probably the only hope is the attorney general, which would be Bill Barr. Yes, and and Trump tweeted this five times last night. Trump has called for 
an investigation. He's called on the U.S. attorneys. This, this tapes that we've released uh, last night, he's called for the U.S. attorneys to investigate, uh, Sean. And, and, uh, and again, this is, you know, at Veritas, we confirm suspicions. People have been saying stuff about voter fraud for years, but to actually see a specific case of hundreds of ballots being harvested when you're not even allowed, you're not even allowed legally to hold more than three. So finally, we have the evidence, and journalists have been contorting themselves all day trying to attack me and, and claim that this is staged or fake. They just can't accept it, Sean. Well, I mean, you're not taking anything out of context. Did you, are, are you releasing, as you often do, the raw footage? Am I releasing the raw footage? Well, it's tough. We release as much as we can. We've gone so far as to, I've been attacked actually for, for releasing too much footage that, that one of the women in the community fears for her life right now in this tape. And I've had to hire security guards for her and put her in a hotel room. So I have, I mean, I, nobody releases their raw footage. No Pulitzer Prize winning reporter has ever released their raw footage. The notion that I'm somehow not being transparent, not, not from you, but from other people out there that, I, that I've not been transparent enough. We, we, I am trying to protect people in the Somalian community here, many of whom have worn hidden cameras. So it's, it's very challenging for me to be more transparent. I've showed most of the faces. I've blurred a couple of the faces. It's very difficult for me to, to, uh, to, to release raw footage. But nobody can watch this tape and come to any other conclusion is that this is orchestrated, organized, vote buying, vote harvesting, as we call it, ballot harvesting. Explain the whole process, what you discovered. Well, the ballot harvesting here is a, a situation where they have Riverside Community Apartments in Minneapolis. This is in Ward 5 in Minneapolis, right in the heart of, of, a, of a Somalian community there in Minnesota. And what they do is they go door to door, they go around many of the elderly people, and they quite literally do what you'd suspect them of doing. They give them $200 cash in exchange for their ballot, the blank ballot. And they coerce them, intimidate them, tell them you must vote for this person. In this case, it's Jamal Osman, who's a city council candidate. In other cases, it's Ilhan Omar. And there, and there's money that's coming from a source. A man named Ali Ise, deputy of the campaign for Omar. This is an open secret in Minneapolis. Nobody has done anything about it, mostly because it's very difficult to go undercover in the Somalian community. And, and I was asked, and I'll tell you this uh, uh, openly, I was asked to work with the FBI on this. Someone reached out to me, and frankly, Sean, I don't particularly trust the FBI. I, what I said to those people is, if the FBI was really good, they would have done it before I did. And we did it, and we got the tape, we got the evidence, and we're taking it to the public, and, and the man is on tape committing a crime. It's a state crime. It's a federal crime. I've got more. Please, I will let the journalist call me a liar and say that this isn't enough, and I'll just release more information either tonight or tomorrow morning. Uh, so, as always, and, and I've known you now for, geez, oh, I guess a decade now you've been doing this at least, right, James? A long time. Uh, and I know that you always take a lot of heat for what you do, but the, the it's clear what happened here. It's clear what's going on here. Now, but you listen to the Democrats, you listen to the media, they just want to either attack you personally but what about the, the? But nobody wants to answer the 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 information that they're saying here. They're saying they're cheating. They're saying they're ha- harvesting ballots. They're saying that money is changing hands in exchange for ballots. The minute we sign the ballot for the election, that is when we get paid. Do you know how much they got paid? Yes, and, and in many cases it was two hundred dollars. One guy says he was paid eight hundred dollars. It appears to be two hundred dollars. 
anywhere between $100 and, and $200 per ballot, and that's from multiple sources. And we have one of those exchanges um, on tape in a forthcoming video. Um, Sean, your point is they're, they're, they're disputing the video. They're saying it's not real because the whole system – I mean, this is not just deep state uh, conspiracy. The media and the government have both told you that this is not actually possible or systemic. And this video, is, it completely shreds, I mean, completely shreds to pieces the notion that this is not possible. Because I'm telling you, I had 14 lawyers look at this thing. I said, this thing is real. I, I bet my career on it. I bet my reputation on it. And Sean, I've won every lawsuit I've litigated for the last 10 years. So they're, they have a problem, and that's why they're attacking me, because in their, in, with their journals, and they use anonymous sources, uh, circumstantial evidence, and here I have a guy in a car, and his lap has ballots all over his lap, and he's saying money is the all right, king. Let me get a final thought, because I want to ask you the, the question I always ask you, which is, what else do you have? Uh, and give us a preview. More with James O'Keefe, Project Veritas. We'll show this video on Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. Suit up, ready to battle. It's 36 days. I hope you feel the urgency that I feel. Because if not, this is the tipping point of all tipping point elections. That I can tell you. You know, you can see the madness, the threats, the... I, I mean, it's actually shocking, but it's not shocking anymore. And that is that, okay, you, yeah, we're going to change the rules. We're going to end. Give us... We, we get control of the Senate. We'll end the legislative filibuster. If you think Joni Ernst's re-election doesn't matter, think again. If you think Martha McSally's re-election doesn't end, think again. If you think Mitch McConnell's re-election doesn't matter, think again. Or or Senator Perdue of, of Georgia or Tillis in North Carolina, even Susan Collins, who I don't always agree with. You know, the second congressional districts of Maine and Nebraska could actually tip the, the balance of power in the Electoral College. That's how important every vote is going to be. You know, you see, so we'll end the filibuster, we'll end the legislative uh, filibuster will will stack the the court with more justices to so we have a liberal majority in perpetuity. Then we'll get rid of the electoral college. We'll begin that process. I think a lot of these dopes don't know that that would take a constitu- constitutional amendment. Three quarters of the states. Good luck. I don't think it's happening, uh, but they'll try. Impeach the president. We can impeach him any day for anything. This is how radicalized. This is this Democratic Socialist Party's become, you know, and you want to talk about hypocrisy? Let's let's take a trip down memory lane in 2016. Now, remember, 29 times there's been vacancies on the Supreme Court during presidential election year. All 29 times the president would nominate a replacement when it is the party of the president aligned with the Senate majority. In other words, the same party. If they're in the majority, 17 of 19 nominees have gone through. When it is a president of one party and the Senate majority of another party, only one in 10, which makes sense, doesn't it? But, you know, the Democrats had a very different tune. The mob and the media had a very different tune back in 2016. Listen. 
Article 2 of the Constitution yeah. makes clear the president nominates, the Senate advises, and consents. It doesn't say, except not in election year. It would be rare for the Senate to turn the president down in an election year. 17 presidents, including five in the 20th century, successfully put justices on the court during an election year. Six Supreme Court justices have been confirmed in presidential election years. The Senate voted on seven Supreme Court nominees during election years. And a critical seat on the Supreme Court for now held hostage to presidential campaign politics. Refusing to hold a hearing on a Supreme Court nominee takes the GOP's congressional dysfunction to new lows. Just hold the hearing. <laughs> Seriously? Just hold the hearing. Do you think people look at this as another one of those boots in the face to the president? Obstructionism that I am not endorsing. I think it's outrageous. What they want to say is he's got a three-year term. I mean, you were elected for four years and you get, to, you get to nominate for four years. It is all about politics of the ugly variety. The people decided in 2000. 2012, who was going to nominate Supreme Court justices between January of 2013 and January of, of, of 2017. These people were elected and they're paid by United States Treasury to do their job. And now they're saying we're not going to do our job. The U.S. Senate should do their job. They show up day in and day out and they get a paycheck. They should do their job and vote it up or down. I thought the American people decided to put President Obama in the White House and that the Constitution says now the president decides what name to send to them and they decide whether to vote yes or no. What, what did I get wrong there? Oh, the, now you change your position. So you kind of got that part of it wrong. Whoopsie daisy. Why, why let the truth get in the way? Listen to Senator Maisie Hirono, Democrats, wondering and worried that Barrett's religious views will conflict with her ability to be fair. Listen. Joe, her religion is immaterial. The issue is whether she can separate her deeply held views on issues like abortion, LGBTQ rights, whether she can separate her deeply held views uh, from her ability to be fair and objective as a justice sitting there for years making decisions that impact all of our lives, starting with the Affordable Care Act. I have concerns about her willingness to, uh, to, uh, you know, to, overturn, to overturn Supreme Court precedent, and she's written about that. And so I'd like to know what kind of factors would she apply in her determination that a previous Supreme Court decision was wrong. Okay, there you have it. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, Does anyone question Pelosi's Catholicism? I don't. Or Joe Biden's Catholicism? I don't. It's not, you know, we we constitutionally, uh, I hate to remind people Article 6, Clause 3 could not be more clear. No religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. Well, it's none of our business what Joe Biden's religion is, to be frank, or Nancy Pelosi's, to be blunt, or that same goes for Amy Coney Barrett. It's that she's not ruled the way they're saying and claiming she has. They're just anticipating what you will do. What she'll she'll have fidelity to the U.S. Constitution. That's a threat because that's all she's pledging to do. Unbelievable. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. By the way, the New York State Attorney General has now urged the police in New York to stop arresting criminals. I'm not making this up recommending that cops no longer arrest people during traffic stops if they have certain open warrants, according to the AG. And 
you know, they they analyzed the death of one particular case. A guy by the name of Alan Feliz, 31, shot by a sergeant, October 2019 traffic stop. He refused to surrender to police, continued to drive away, leading to the discharge of, you know, the weapon. And um, after his partner had been run over by the by the person that was driving away. The AG found no reason to charge Rivera, but did say the cops, meaning the police officer, but they said stops such as the one here shouldn't be performed by police officers because the vast majority of traffic stops, including this one, do not involve criminal conduct yet. The involvement of police in situations can result in violent interactions. Well, they actually would be enforcing the law if there's an open warrant for somebody's arrest. Kamala Harris this weekend again claiming the group Black Lives Matter and the protesters associated with the group are loud but peaceful. They don't want us to believe what our own eyes show us. Uh, as a matter of fact, even ABC News reported that a Black Lives Matter protester in California now charged with attempted murder after deliberately plowing a car into a crowd of Trump supporters. Unbelievable times we're living in. Did you hear what happened in Chicago this weekend? I don't know. 48 people shot this weekend. Well, one case, a five-year-old girl stabbed to death in the early morning on Saturday morning during another bloody weekend. Girl is identified. Multiple stab wounds rushed to the hospital. She died. Five years old. Our national treasure dead. And the Chicago Sun-Times reporting that there have been at least seven fatalities across the city. And 41 others have been wounded. 17-year-old reportedly standing in an alley on Saturday morning. Approached by two men, shot in the upper torso, pronounced dead at the scene. 19-year-old hit by gunfire on Friday, pronounced dead at Chicago Medical Center. Well, there's no other way, but, but, but these are peaceful cities. There's nothing peaceful here. We do know how to restore law and order and safety and security, and you can't pursue happiness without, without any of it. And it's unbelievable. And now we have people that are emboldened to fight police officers. NYPG injury spikes 47% since the billion-dollar cut by Comrade de Blasio. Hundreds sent to the hospital after responding to Kamala's peaceful protests. Um, it's unreal. The LAPD officer that was shot um, is in stable condition. Thank God. Hopefully will survive. Minneapolis City Council members may regret their pledge now to, and vote to dismantle the police. And apparently some of them are having regrets because they're beginning to see the real life impact of their stupidity. Pretty unbelievable. You have a Black Lives Matter uh, leader arrested for allegedly spending $200,000 in donations on tailored suits, a house and guns. That was in the Washington Examiner. Unbelievable. Sad. These are sad times. This is not necessary. And Kamala Harris promising us it's not going to end. They're not going to end. We're not going to stop, nor should they, she said. Um, we had on Lindsey Graham earlier today, but we're now finding reports that the Durham investigation, there might be more damning and more significant declassification. And my sources are telling me that there might be direct evidence of the very opposite narrative that we were told as it relates to collusion. We already know that there was collusion with Russia. We know the dossier was a dirty Russian misinformation dossier. We confirmed last week 
the FBI knew that it was a, a guy that they had identified, the source for Christopher Steele, was a Russian operative. For They've known this for over a decade, and they still use the information. It's unconscionable. But more information coming this week. Comey's saying, oh, I didn't read the recent report about the Steele dossier source. Uh, you would have known, Jim, because the whole your whole department knew. Not buying anything you're saying for a second, Mr. Higher Honor. And in the Flynn case, the agent Mueller used prosecution as a means to get Trump. Yeah, big shocker here. Indictments were being told they're coming, but probably now not before the election as it relates to the Durham investigation. Sidney Powell rightly saying, you know what? Obama's fingerprints are all over this, too. And why is the media ignoring zero experience Hunter with those revelations by Ron Johnson and Senator uh, Charles Grassley last week? 87 page of the most damning report I've ever seen. It wasn't just Burisma. Now we're learning, in fact, that all the government agencies within Obama's government were literally playing cover for Hunter, knowing the situation was untenable. I mean, that they shouldn't have been involved in any of this. And the conflict of interest was clear. Now we're hearing about wire transfers with Russian nationals, Chinese nationals, Ukrainian nationals, Kazakh na- nationals. You know, the, the mayor of Moscow's wife, the first lady of Moscow. You got financial dealings with Hunter Biden and his group. It's unbelievable. Imagine if this was Donald Trump and his kids. Imagine what the what outrage would be in existence here. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. By the way, Earth to God, the new song by John Rich. You got to see the video. Linda, did you see the video yet? It is, you know, I, I feel so lucky to call John and Charlie and Jules and that whole team friends of mine. When he sent me that video last week and was like, Linda, I, I, it blew me away. And, you know, we get so much stuff, but it just was amazing. And for it to be number one in the whole world, every yeah. genre... You that, gotta put. By the way, even beating out Justin Bieber, I noticed. Did but you I mean, see that? everything, every, everything, everything, every. By the way, Justin thing, Bieber everything. had a God rap song that he put out that actually was pretty good. Yeah, he's having in a, a Kanye pop West way. Moment. I mean, um, who else? Michael W. Smith put out a, a pretty powerful video too. Have a conversation. It's like everybody's feeling the weight of the moment. Everybody when a five-year-old is. loses their life, we need to check. When a woman who's raising seven children two of them from an impoverished country and you're calling her a colonizer. We need a moment. We need to check in with somebody higher power. We need to look up. Uh, You know, I appreciate that there are people that are sane in these troubling times. They're troubling times. All right. That's going to wrap things up for today. Hannity tonight, nine Eastern on the Fox news channel. Set your DVR. Hope you'll set your DVR every night. We will do a debate preview. Joe in hiding. What's Joe doing? What? Maybe he's resetting his clock. Anyway, Senator Cruz, Dr. Ronnie Jackson away in on that. Corey Lewandowski, Dave Bossy, Ari Fleischer, Rick Grinnell, and the blockbuster video, James O'Keefe, Project Veritas. That report exclusively 9 Eastern tonight. Set your DVR, Hannity, Fox News. We'll see you tonight. Back here tomorrow, just 35 days. Best election coverage available on your radio dial.